Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for May 28, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, Comfortable in Our Own Skin. be a good synonym for someone who is so in harmony with herself that she can be comfortable with other people. A person who is comfortable in his own skin is one who has learned to be at peace with himself physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. It is a high compliment and one that cannot be paid very often. Most people are not comfortable in their own skin. One way or another, we just are not. We want to look like somebody else. The magazine model, the rock star. We want to act like somebody else. We want someone else's bank account. We want different friends. We want a more prestigious career. And the present moment is almost never right. Today is almost never right for us. So many people live in the past or long for the future or oscillate between the two. We just can't quite ever get satisfied to stay where our feet are, to live in the moment, to be comfortable with today, comfortable for the blessed now, comfortable in our own skin. My mother used to say, never say you regret anything. Be aware of the past, yes, she would say. Be willing to say, I'm sorry, or I'm wrong, or I need to apologize, yes. But don't let the past define you. Move beyond it. Don't regret anything. Learn from everything. And, she would say, don't wish your life away. I wish I were already in college. No, Russ, don't wish your life away. I wish I had a better job. I wish I could retire already. No, don't wish your life away. Live here. Stay here. Be here. Learn to enjoy now. Even if something needs to change, Work for that change, but don't miss the the present opportunity, the blessed now, today. The future will come when it comes. There's only a now in which to live. Don't miss it. Before he left his disciples, Jesus prayed for them. Amy has read you part of that prayer. He prayed for them and he said, Now I am am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Isn't it a shame so many people are not comfortable enough in their own skin to really live in this world? Enjoy this world. Find the goodness and the grace and the presence of God in this world. Practice faith in this world today. As Amy just told you, we conducted another funeral this week for someone we have never met. 
Several of the funeral homes in town know that we have eulogy, will travel. And so they call us when someone doesn't have a church and wants a ministerial burial, which is always a little curious for us, but we're always glad to go and provide a good word. We met the deceased through her sister, who told us the tragic story of a promising, talented high school beauty queen who struggles with depression and bipolar disorder and then kidney failure, turned all the hopes of a young life into a day-by-day dialogue with life and death. For many years, a day-by-day dialogue. Before the disease finally took her, she scribbled a prayer in the margins of her well-worn Bible. If I cannot die, teach me how to live. I want to die. But if I have to be here, well, I might as well learn to live. Isn't that sad? In a letter that we read during the funeral, the living sister said to her sibling, now you are where you have always wanted to be. When I heard those unfortunate words, I thought about Jesus' prayer. And I wondered how much those words in the Gospel of John have been misunderstood Now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I wondered, rather than inspiring people to find the good in the world, to get comfortable in their own skin, to live in the moment, to work in order to experience the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, how much have those words caused people of faith to highlight a distinction between this world and the next, to separate the spiritual and the temporal, the divine and the human, the sacred and the secular, now and then, here and there. Surely that is not what Jesus intended. Friday's funeral was for a woman who had been tortured by an almost lifelong battle with mental and physical illnesses. Her desire to escape that pain is understandable. But how many people of faith miss so much of what is real in this world, cannot really enjoy the celebrations of worldly happiness because they have been led to believe that to do so is to betray the more important afterlife. I was raised kind of that way. You know, Christians aren't supposed to have too much fun. You know, it's our lot in life, you know, to do the right thing. You know, only the good die young, right? You know, our joy is going to be on the other side. We just have to struggle through. And I just wonder how many people live that way today. How many people believe this life isn't the real thing, that we're only biding our time here until we get our reward and enter glory. How many people live like that? Too many. Too many. The prayer we should pray is just the opposite of that one scratched into that dog-eared Bible, though I understand why she wrote as she did. Our prayer, I think, should be, if I cannot live, then teach me to die. That's what we should pray 
And each of us will eventually have to pray that prayer, teach me how to die. But until then, we need to be praying to know how to live, how to understand what God intends for us, to know God in this eternal life now, in this very real life that we live. Now, the Gospel of John certainly highlights a vision of two worlds, two realms. In John's presentation, before Jesus came to embody God on earth, there was the pre-existent word, the logos, the divine logic of God. This imagery has been instrumental in the formation and the support of the doctrine of the Trinity, as many commentators see in John's pre-existent word, the second person of the Trinity, existing with God in another realm before the creation. If we take John's presentation of Jesus and allow the gospel's distinct highlights of a heavenly realm and an earthly realm, and if we allow John's worldview to convince us that our concern ought to be the next life and the next world, if we come to misbelieve that this world is really not important, if that's how we read and use John's gospel, we will certainly have missed the heart of Jesus' message. It is one of my theological soapboxes. If you have paid any attention uh, over the years, you have heard me denounce the sin of dualism. On many occasions I have spoken of this. I first learned this insight from my friend, the late Dr. William E. Hull, who believed fully that the Apostle Paul was a Hebrew, a good Jew, who in his training had come to believe in the embodiment of spirit. All life is embodied life for Paul, for the Hebrew understanding. In the creation narrative, God does not create a body, just an external shell meant only for the purpose of holding the more important soul in the middle. Now that's how many of us have conceived, but that's not what the Bible says. God does not breathe a soul into that shell. God breathes the breath of life into that muddy figurine that God has formed from the dust of the earth. And the very earthy, the very earthly Adam becomes a living soul. God doesn't give him a soul inside the body. He becomes a living soul. We do not have souls. According to the creation narrative and the Apostle Paul, we are souls. Body is inseparable from soul. Body is infused with soul. When you die, contrary to what most of us have been taught and what we continue to have indoctrinated through just the air we breathe, it's in popular music, it's at the daily preaching we encounter at the office, the water cooler, the club, on the radio. We can't get away from this theology that we have been taught 
When we die, our bodies do not go into the grave and some ghostly apparition called a soul ascends out of that body and into heaven. Not according to the Bible. Paul makes his belief very clear that when we die, the physical body is planted like a seed and a new, different, more vibrant body arises in its place. All life in the biblical understanding is embodied life. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. Now you can believe in afterlife. You can believe life does not end when these bodies of ours take their last breath. I certainly do believe that. But if the Bible is important to you, you cannot believe in a dichotomy of body and soul. A clean dualism of spirit, spiritual and physical. A separation that disdains bodily joys and sorrows and causes us to live only a shell of the life God has intended. Play acting, as it were, now in fear of hell or longing for heaven. The Bible will not allow us to make that distinction between the next world and this world. A commentator named Robin Scruggs understands this well when he says God's intent in creation was not defective. God did not design humanity in one way only to promise a different, higher superhumanity for eternal life. What God has always intended for persons is authentic human life. This authentic human life has been distorted because of human anxiety. How many people that you know live with human anxiety one way or the other? Anxiety, fear of hell, or anxiety like the woman we just buried, longing, longing, longing for heaven. Now what's wrong with just relaxing in the grace of God today? Doesn't Jesus himself tell us, do not worry about tomorrow? Today's trouble is enough for today. Even in the text for today, framed as it may be in John's dichotomy of this world and the next, Jesus gives us all the truth we need. And, and this is eternal life, he says. This is eternal life that they may know you. Knowing God is eternal life. Eternal life is not heaven. Eternal life is knowing God, experiencing God, seeing and trusting and hoping in God in the blessed now. The blessed now is an embodied now, and it always will be. Now there's this beautiful but odd text in the remarkable story of Job, that saint who was tormented with all the pains and losses one can know in this world, yet in the story we read of one who remains faithful. After all his torments, when he has argued with God, but then come back to submit 
to a greater, deeper wisdom which his suffering has taught him, he offers this word of praise. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I will see God. Now I don't know exactly what this writer had in mind. What kind of flesh will last after our skin has been destroyed? Odd words indeed. But I hear in this transcendent text another affirmation of this important word. Bodies are important, even eternal. In our flesh we shall see God. Taking care of our bodies then is essential to the task of faith, as is taking care of other bodies. Feeding the children at Sedgefield Elementary with backpack snacks for hungry weekends. Providing shelter for women and children at the Salvation Army's Center of Hope. Offering sanctuary for the refugee. Providing sacred space on this campus for exercise and meditation and study and fellowship and worship. I hope that we are doing on this campus what God is calling for us to do in our individual lives. We are in this world. Jesus is no longer here, but in his living and dying, he taught us how to be comfortable in our own skin because bodies and the blessed now are eternal. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.